Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and we welcome you aboard this morning, uh, the 10th of April, uh, 2021. Wow, it's already April, almost mid-April. Time is flying and there's a lot happening uh, in, in the world, but there's also a lot happening in the word and, uh, we're in it every day and, uh, we, we find out something new and exciting about it every day. And so we're, we're glad that you're here to share with us some of the things that we know already and some of the things that we find, and we're going to share everything with you so we we deeply appreciate you and and hope that you're being blessed and uh what we like to do is remind you that we have a uh, a website it is uh, the christian underground news net dot godaddy sites dot com again that's the christian underground news net dot godaddy sites dot com Drop on in, leave us a note, let us know what you think of the website. Uh, we have a blog on there. And by the way, there will be a new blog update here very, very shortly. I'm thinking before midweek. So uh, be sure to, to check that out. And we welcome you to leave comments, questions, criticisms, uh, uh, praises if you have any, um, prayer requests if you have them. Uh, we'd be happy to receive those from you. Uh, we welcome you for our continuing study on the 10 major Christian doctrines. Uh, so far, we have covered soteriology, salvation, uh, homartiology, sin, and the origins of sin. And we are now on theology, uh, and we are beginning to study uh, the attributes of God. And uh, with that being said, again, welcome aboard. And I'm going to turn the microphone over to your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain. Pastor, welcome this morning. Well, thank you, uh, Curtis, once again. And we we thank God for this wonderful privilege that he's given to us. We, we had prayer before we started. And we thank God for this wonderful, wonderful privilege and ask him to give us the wisdom to do it correctly. Yes. Uh, our Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. not. Yeah. By the way, we're going to start with that word in just a moment. But first, we're going to do a quick review. We've already talked about the names of God and what they mean. Yeah. And if you had no other study, you would find a whole lot about God just by uh, the names of God. There were 17 of them, and uh, we didn't go into great detail. However, uh, you must understand that the names of God help us to understand the nature of God. And that's what we're doing now. We are uh, in the nature of God. Uh, the theologians call it the attributes of God. And just for a quick review, um, we, uh, we see his... Um, and by the way, his attributes of God, this is how he deals uh, with his creation. Uh, and he's and all of these attributes of God, he uses them in conjunction with one another, in 
in harmony with one another. He does not separate one of his attributes from another. They are all present and they are all powerful and they're all perfect. And he uses them all together in one package. So just by way of review, we've talked about God's attributes. Never magnifies one of his attributes at the expense of another. And so we've talked about um, in our last podcast, his absolute attributes, his immensity, his eternity, his immutability. That means he can't change his self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency. He doesn't need angels. He doesn't need us. Uh, he needs no other one but himself. He doesn't need us, but he desires us. Oh, he wants us. He sure does, Chris. And then there's the unity uh, of God. And in the unity of God, we mean that God is three in one. He is God the Father. He's God the Son. And he's God the Holy Spirit. And in future um, uh, doctrinal uh, dissertations, we're going to be talking about the doctrine of the Son. That's Christology. And then probably after that, we'll talk about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. That's pneumatology. And by the way, just a word about that study. It's the most misunderstood doctrine uh, uh, in Christianity because it's taught so poorly and perversely uh, so often. Uh, we're going to try and uh, do our best to ask God wisdom to teach us how to teach it um, uh, uh, as we rightly just as we rightly divide the word of truth. And so now we're in the relative attributes of God. These qualities uh, represent the divine being in his relationship to the creatures of the created universe, uh, inspiring faith and confidence in him. Um, we've already talked about his omnipotence. That means God is all powerful. That's his first relative attribute. Then we've talked about his omniscience. God knows everything. You cannot hide from God. That's right. It's as simple as that. He knows where you are. He knows who you are. He knows what you're doing, what you're going to do tomorrow. He That's his omniscience. Mm -hmm. Then there's his omnipresence. God's everywhere. And and uh, and understand, uh, I'm going to say this, and you'll think that uh, I probably flunked English. No, I got straight A's in it. But with regard to his omnipresence, ain't no place where God ain't. That's right. He's every place. And so these are part of his relative attributes. And we left off uh, um with those three attributes, and we'll, we'll begin picking up his fourth uh, relative attribute, and it's wisdom. Mm. Now, don't confuse wisdom with knowledge. Right. The word wisdom implies, and, and in fact, it just defines uh, the correct use of knowledge. Right. You can have a little knowledge, but you better have a lot of wisdom. Sure. Or you have a lot of knowledge and very little wisdom. Yeah. And you will go astray. 
Yeah, you have to be able to know how to apply the knowledge properly. And so God's wisdom uh, is an aspect of his divine knowledge. It's, it's a virtue of God which uh, manifests, manifests itself in the selection of worthy ends and in the choice of the best means for the realization of those ends. This is what God does. He's full of wisdom. It's the right use of knowledge. God never makes a mistake, never takes a wrong turn, nor is he sorry for anything he does. While his perfect wisdom implies omniscience, it, it yet exceeds it. We're, we're, we're not going to beat this drum all day long. But the Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. Proverbs 3.19, Jeremiah 10.12. Um, uh, divine wisdom uh, was personified in, in Christ Jesus, whom God made unto us wisdom. And... And with regard to wisdom, the Bible tells us, you want to say this together? If any of you, you lack, lack wisdom, let him ask of God, God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And we've memorized that to remind us as, as teachers of the word of God, as students of the word of God, that we should first of all ask for wisdom because God has it all. That's what you do before study. Yep. Ask for wisdom. Ask, Ask for him wisdom. to show you the meaning. That's right. Of what you're reading. Uh, Burke, right. uh, 2 Timothy 2, 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And you can only do that by first asking for wisdom. And God has it. That's one, one of his relative And he actions. will not hold it back. No, he won't. If you ask for it. That's right. He's got it all. He giveth to all men liberally and wow. upbraideth not. He doesn't hold it back. Yeah. He doesn't say, why are you asking me for that? Uh, yeah. I've right. already told you to ask for it, that's, so that's good for right. you. That's right. Yeah. And here, this, here's his next, this is the fifth relative attribute. And uh, it, it's uh, sometimes it's overlooked because we all take it for granted. But let's don't. The fifth relative attribute is his goodness. Mm. Some theologians see in this attribute a combination of divine love, wisdom, and righteousness. Uh, righteousness must be a constituent element of goodness. And uh, so... God's benevolence and beneficence can be traced in all his works and ways. He will be good and only good to all his creatures. Now, why do bad things happen to good men? It's testing. Yeah. It's testing. And it's relying upon God's goodness to take you through the badness. I think Daniel said something about that to King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, or no, no, it was Joseph. 
who told his brothers after they, after you know, after lots of years of him being in Egypt, they sold him into slavery, yeah. and they had to come for him to him for help. And they didn't recognize him, and when he finally revealed himself, they felt horrible, and they said, "Oh my goodness, can you ever forgive us?" And he said, "Yeah, because God, what you meant for evil, God, God meant for good. Really? This was a test for me." That's right. And he meant it for good. And and that's how test that's what testing's about. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, good, by the way, is the English word <coughs> for God. Yeah. Yeah. God is good. Yeah. Good is is God. The English pilgrims used to call each other goody. Yeah. Yeah. So uh we see also uh, as one of God's attributes, his re relative attributes, is, is goodness. Then another one of his attributes, number six, is freedom. Now, in declaring freedom as another divine attribute, we, we only claim for God what is essential to his deity. Um, without the possession of freedom, all of the other attributes would, would be more or less invalid. Yeah. That's right. Uh -huh. why, why did Jesus die on the cross? So we would be free. free. Yeah. That's right. Reminds me of the words of a really beautiful song. God built freedom into every fiber of creation, and he meant for us to all be free and all. But when my Lord bought freedom, through the blood of his redemption, his cross stamped pardon on my very soul. Wow. 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 Freedom. And we could both sing that if we had a hymnal. <laughs> Kurt's a lot better singer than I am. So anyway, um, well, we, uh, we need to recognize that his, his freedom is ever and always conditioned by his nature by his nature he'll never be act he'll, he'll he'll he will never ever act contrary to his holiness that's right and to his love yeah isn't it wonderful that that's a truth that we can cling to that's why we need to study god we need to know as much about him as we possibly can. That's the whole object. And I'm telling you, and I don't say this, um, how, how should I say this? I, I, I don't want to be pejorative when I say these things, but, but sad to say, in so many of our local churches in this country, you're not hearing these things in their context. Sometimes it's just some, an addendum to a message. But we need to know God as completely as is humanly possible. That's why he's given us his word. Isn't it interesting that, that we should use freedom as the last of his relative attributes? Because we're now we're going to go into his moral attributes. Remember, we just said his freedom is 
is ever and always conditioned by his nature. Therefore, he'll never act contrary to his holiness or to his love. And now we when you go and went now his holiness is the first of his moral attributes. Um, in in Exodus fifteen eleven, it says he he is glorious in holiness. Holiness being the the sparkling jewel and the crown of God. His power makes him mighty, so his holiness makes him glorious. He is holy in nature. That's his nature. That's who God is. That's what he is. That's how he is. Uh, he's, he's, he's absolutely distinct from all of his creatures and above them in the in his infinite majesty. You can see this in Exodus 15, 11, Isaiah 57, 15. He's holy in all of his ways. He cannot act contrary to his at absolute uh, and relative nature. It, it, it's not just holiness is his inward character. It's not just merely a trait of his being, but it's his very essence God possesses original holiness a worded holiness or origin originated with God he is primarily holy he can present himself as the pattern of holiness because he's the origin and he's the source of it I mean from time past to time immemorial, it's it, it's it's he will he's always holy. That's right. It'll never change. I know some churches that began their church service with the choir in place singing, "Holy, holy, holy, oh, yeah. Lord God Almighty." That's the very first of his moral attributes. Every, every, every thought of holiness is his alone. Every one. There is none as holy as the Lord. First Samuel 2, 2 says that. Um, it's his essence. We've already mentioned that. It's his excellence. Um, it, it, and you can read about these things in Isaiah 6, 3, Mark 10, 18. Now, if you're taking notes, write these down. 2 Corinthians 7, 1, Revelation 4, 8. God is holy. God possesses efficient holiness. Oh, boy. He is both the pattern and the principle of holiness. That's why we need to know who he is. One of his commands is be as holy as I am holy. Yeah. Wow. And and so his his holiness is the standard, therefore, of our life and our conduct. Be ye holy, for I am holy. First Peter 1.16. Uh, so this is 
God's holiness. And there's so much more we can talk about with regard to his holiness, but that would take a whole hour. And we, we've only got an hour. Easily. Yeah. And we're only, well, one thing about podcasts, we can make them continuing and then you have to listen to all the rest of them, but that's not why we do it. We get as much as we can uh, in, in a short period of time. The hardest thing, Curtis, about teaching and preaching the word of God is being able to condense it in an understanding and yet complete way. And, yeah, and that's, that's a difficult. It is because the, the information on Christ and on, and on God is, I mean, it's, it's so immense uh, it would take, it, it, we could easily spend weeks and weeks on, on his holiness alone. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, and now with regard to his second moral attribute, isn't this amazing? His love. Oh, yeah. Oh. My goodness. It's often called the most central attribute of God, and 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 uh, it, it. How in the world can we can we uh, present all the things there is about God? For God so loved the world. Listen to the, listen to these words. He didn't just love a bunch of people who he chose beforehand to love, and hate the rest of us. That's right. I mean, God's angry with the wicked every day, but that doesn't cancel out his love for them no, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And this is the biggest and best and brightest picture of God's love. Yes. Oh, boy. It's amazing. I mean, holiness presents God as the, the moral governor of the universe. But love declares him to be the gracious father of all who trust and obey him. Uh, and it's amazing. Uh, God is love. Love is God. Love is of God. God is of love it's a it's a circular thing and uh, so that's one of his moral attributes um it, it, it and here's 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 how god proves his goodness and his love uh, in several ways it, number one in his care and providing for the wants cares habits instincts of every living thing you know even the lower animals who cannot reason are nevertheless provided for by a kind, gracious hand of their creator with food and shelter. We have a groundhog that takes shelter under our patio. <laughs> you won, you won. Well, we didn't build the patio for that, but the groundhog certainly found it. That's right. That's right. Um, anyway, uh, his 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 love is is uh, displayed in his provision of human love. Now, make no mistake. There's a difference between liking and loving. Oh yeah, yeah. Liking is kind of petulant. Yeah. Love is kind of perfect. So, 
um, he's provided, you and I can and ought to love. Now, I'm reminded, Curtis, with regard to this, of a chapter in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is called the love chapter. Now, in the King James Version, it's eight times, and and, uh, the Apostle Paul uh, was told to use the word charity, and there's a reason for that in just a minute. But it's called the love chapter. But some 26 times in 1 John chapter 4, we read the word love. So study these two chapters, 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 John chapter 4. Why is love, why is, why is not 1 John 4 called the love chapter? Well, we can, we can, and we ought to. Well, what's the difference in the two? I'm going to tell you that. 1 Corinthians 13, okay, talks about the principles of love. Yeah. First John chapter four talks the about practices. the practices of love. That's right. So God's love uh, is shown in his care for providing for us, uh, for in, in the provision for human love. I, I remember the first time I saw my wife, lovely Sharon. I said, oh, oh my goodness, how would anyone so beautiful how would anyone so beautiful have anything to do with me? I don't even know her. I've just seen her. <laughs> then I got to know her. We fell in love. And for 41 years, we've been together through the good and through the bad, uh, through difficult times and through wonderful, uh, amazing times. And and it's all because of God's provision for yeah. real human love. Now, Here's here's his demonstration. Here's his uh, demonstration of his love is in the provision of Scripture. My goodness, he provided sixty-six books by forty human authors. He dictated every jot and tittle of it, and they wrote it down just as they were told to do so. And we have the scripture. Wow. You know, heavens declare the glory of God. But when you get to the Bible, it tells you how and where and why it came about. It tells you how big it is. The the scriptures are, uh, somebody puts it, the most glowing love letters ever written. My goodness. Wow. The love of God, so rich and pure, so measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Yeah, I told you Curtis could sing. Now that wasn't that wasn't me. That he likes to interject these things, but and I, I like to have him do it. <laughs> okay, so. So he, he provided us the word of God. Yeah. We ought to be in it every day. Take notes on it. I use a red and blue uh, shading pencil, which your teacher used to use to give you uh, a B minus on your, on your essay. If you, you know. were lucky enough to get a B. Yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> okay, so be in God's love letter in which he reveals his undying love for a world of sinners who were lost and ruined by the fall. You want to latch on to God's love? You want to be saved and not lost? Believe God. Grab hold of his love. The next one is um, God's provision of Christ. Now, these are provisions of, these are attributes of his love, which is uh, the primary attribute. God loved us so much that he gave his son to be a sacrifice of our for our sin. He, God, made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. A ransom for all. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He provided Christ. He gave his only begotten son. It was a gift. God's love is, is displayed in his grace. He gave us salvation. All we had to do was believe it, grab hold of it. My goodness. But God's love is, is, uh, is, uh, is revealed and, and, and regaled in the, pro, in the provision of Jesus Christ. Fifteen seconds, Pastor. <laughs> well, we'll continue. God gave himself for mankind. You sang about it. His love is measureless and pure. 